What's going on, y'all? Uh, just a little prelude before this episode. Uh, the Jaminator, our boy, did not respond to the giveaway, and he never reached out to us. So we are re-rolling those two Tina V stars, and we are also rolling the holiday calendar. So let's do that real quick. This is for the holiday calendar from last episode. Thank you to everyone who entered. Our winner is Mitch Watson 6609. Congratulations. You won a holiday calendar. Uh, the Pokemon one that's got a bunch of packs in it. So reach out to us. Uh, DM either Kieran or I, and we will get that arranged for you and ship it to your house. And for the two copies of Giratina V-Star, we have... This thing takes so long. Batsquid93. Batsquid93, congratulations. You won two copies of Giratina V-Star. Please also reach out to either Kieran or I, and we'll get that shipped out to you. Now back to the episode. Hello, friends. We're back. We're with Nerd Rage Gaming again. It's like... <laughs> Their podcast now at this point, not even ours. This episode is sponsored by Misreporting Your Own Deck on Pokestats. <laughs> Do you want to gain an advantage in day two? Misreport your own damn deck and piss off the whole world, why don't you? <laughs> and with that, I'll introduce our guest who didn't misreport his deck on Pokestats. I don't think. You didn't, right? It didn't let me because Roaring Moon was not an option mm. until after but the intent. So the intent to report correctly was there? I, w- I would have if I had the option. I would have reported correctly if I had the option. Fantastic. All right. Why don't you give a little bit of an introduction to yourself, and then uh, we'll explain. Actually, you know what? Your introduction is going to do all the explanations. I don't even need to explain why we brought you here, because you can explain what you just achieved at Charlotte Regionals. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, hi. Hello. My name is Rafal Gladys. I'm a player from the Chicago area. I'm the second NRG player to be on the podcast, so we got the connection going, Um, because I know Anil and you, Dan Hugar. And then in Charlotte, yep. I got to know Anil, so we got a whole thing going on now. Um, Collab. Yeah, no, it's sick. Um, <laughs> and in um, in Charlotte, I got my first day, too. I got top 64 with Roaring Moon with Catchers. I played it the right way with only two Sada and four Research. Um, yes, sir. And considering Ross got, day, uh, got top eight, I will commit to the fact that I got the, had the <laughs> best list. Um, but we can talk more about the different ways to play moon because i saw some pretty funny lists uh as people started posting theirs um mm-hmm. yeah that, do you want to know anything about me as a player or anything or just straight kiss gun runs go straight to the run or anything uh, yeah anything dude that, uh, sure how long have you been playing first of all yeah so i started in like 20 like i started right after 2011 worlds so i started like right when the black and white block started um and conveniently my first year playing was my first year in masters so this was straight into like playing against ross in chicago playing against jason k in chicago so like i mean if i was in seniors and juniors i would have played against xander so um (laughs) would have been just as difficult but um i played for a little bit my top accomplishment then was getting top eight at illinois states with zekrom eels i lost in cut because i didn't own enough mewtwo ex i could only afford one because i was 15 um yeah. it's just tough i played against uh selby mewtwo tornadoes so they just had they had like three mewtwo so like <laughs> what are you gonna do um and then i took a break for college came back in 2019 um played a little bit um COVID happened stopped playing again and then, and then chicago kind of got back into it pretty quickly just because just we have a lot of really competitive stores and um i've been improving as a player um haven't been able to travel to a ton of regionals this year just made it to pittsburgh and now charlotte and i got my first day two with the moon so that's kind of my short uh player history that's real bro not no not having mewtwo's is real like yeah. that's a that's a big big barrier 
Yeah. And it, yeah. honestly, it's a good. It was a good time to bow out of the game after you did that, because like the Mewtwo wars were just like unbearable, bro. Yeah. I have a not to sidetrack us too much, but I have a funny like Mewtwo story. There was a regionals back then, so in 2012 in Toronto. I was a senior. Like uh, my parents didn't really buy me cards that much back then, so like I only had one Mewtwo in my deck. I remember I'm at the tournament. I go to a vendor and I buy a pack of Next Destinies, and I just like ripped a Mewtwo. And I was, like, screaming, Yo, like, Mewtwo. Damn. Like, you know that kid, like, that video with the Blastoise? I was, like, doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, 12 or 13 at the time. And then, like, That's I got to play two huge Mewtwo's. dub? No, it was a huge... I was going to play CMT with one Mewtwo, which would have been, like, horrible. <laughs> so then I got a second Mewtwo for my deck. <laughs> Holy, bro. So. That's live. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, like Mewtwo was a problem, and like we were all—I guess we're all kind of the same age. Like, we we're all in in senior slash masters at that point, and like we didn't have those—we didn't have those kinds of funds, man. Seventy yeah, bucks for Mewtwo? It was, Hello? It was tough. And well, it's funny because we're gonna talk about me playing with catchers. Um, yeah, I feel like there's also just a lot of like 2012 throwbacks happening now. We got like the spiritual reprint of Blastoise yep. happening. Um, but I, I play my list with the old dark patches, the old catchers. They don't say flip. We got the Verbank reprint coming out. It's all. It's all coming together now. Yeah, it does seem like the the newest set. It just feels like a black and white set. Like yeah. base specs are there, TDK is there. Yeah, so, yeah, it's interesting. I can't wait to get into uh, Reshiram Zekrom Wars again with Outrage and Plus Powers. <laughs> that was actually like such a low point of the game. I don't think we realize it. <laughs> it's funny. Just jump on for Plus Powers. Yeah, people play yeah. that format now as like an old format, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's one we should be replaying. <laughs> It's ass, man. <laughs> that format sucks. <laughs> but okay, let's talk about it a bit. So let's let's talk about how you use your old catchers, your old dark patches. Um, what kind of led you to building that list the way it is? Um, was there anything that didn't really vibe with you with the Forsada build? Like, what was kind of your reasoning behind that build? For sure. So, um, there's like a couple steps to it, so I'll try to break it down. Like to kind of go back to the, like the like step step zero. Um, before like coaching got really big, I kind of reached out to GW Crewell for like some help as a player, um, kind of after NISC 2021, where I scrubbed out, <laughs> um, and we've been kind of working and like, uh, kind of the primary person I work with, with like helping me like improve as a player. And I was playing moon with like, you know, uh, the way that people have been playing it with the Fasadas, the water energies, trying to like get tricky with the Greninja. And then he, um, he showed me his version of Ross's list because he was playing it on stream and he posted it on Twitter. And I saw Ross's list from Portland. They got top 32 and it was playing uh, three research, two Sada. And I looked at it. I was like, no, this doesn't make any sense. This, this looks like ass. <laughs> you know, I was like, this doesn't make it like Ross is just so good. Like he's just going to make it work. And then JW kind of cleaned up his list a little bit, took out all the trekking shoes, just kind of beefed up some of the lines. Um, and then that weekend, I think um, the weekend before Charlotte, I was kind of between two different decks. I was between Maridon, which I've been playing for a while, because I just like the consistency and the speed of it, and Roaring Moon. And I was considering the two different versions of Maridon, and I played the Peony one to a cup, and I was like, oh my god, I hate this deck. This deck sucks. Um, and I know some people swear by it. I know we got top eight. Um, but I just really preferred the Judge version. So I had like a spreadsheet of my that was like taking notes of like matchups I was hitting on PTCGL. And I just... Um, because of the weather in Chicago, I'm a teacher, so we had Friday off because of the weather. We had the weekend. We had MLK Day. We had Tuesday off because of the weather. So I was just cooped up playing a lot of cards, and I was going to do some just kind of checking matchups and like checking how I was doing online with, with Maridon and with Moon kind of alternating. 
And I started playing GW's Moonwith list, list with the with the full research, and I just couldn't stop. I played like 40 games. I hit like 10 gold, then go on ladder. I just couldn't stop beating them. It was really weird. But, and then we were kind of talking, and like the the list originally played two boss, and I was like, it feels like I Pokestop the boss every single game. What if I really want it? So we buffed it up to three boss, and then it it still didn't feel right like we had like an extra slot or two in the deck that was pretty flexible the third boss wasn't really doing anything because it still felt like you poke stopped it still felt like you were researching like you were sodaing it just didn't really come up very often so then and i think this is like, there was like some like simultaneous developments happening because i think mahone on his stream was also testing gw's list because like they test together and he put catchers in i saw like a clip of that and i was like this doesn't look very good. <laughs> but then me and my friend um, Mo Edis, who also played the list, who's also on the NRG team, who got me this Charlotte t-shirt to rep to rep me for the, for the first day, too. <laughs> nice. uh, got me a, a t-shirt at the airport. Um, he was talking about catchers, too, because before, right when Moon came out, we were actually testing Moon a lot. He put catchers into it. He was like, this seems pretty cool. I was like, I don't know, man. Catchers are kind of sus. Um, and then Moon bombed at LAIC, and everyone forgot about it. And then we kind of did the thinking, and, you know, GW was like, catchers seem kind of good. Um, and then Mo was saying catchers seem kind of good. And then I kind of gave it more thought. And, like, the thought process basically was, like, most games, you are using one boss. Like, almost every time that I bossed, it was the end of the game. Maybe I've already milled it. Maybe I'm I'm just, like, palpating it back. I have Mew on the board. I know that I can Iono. Um, if I get iono I'm going to draw into it. I can win the game, kind of lock up the game late game. But most of the time, I'm playing that research... I'm playing maybe Iono to disrupt like a Guardi or a Lost Box deck. I'm playing Sada to like, it's like, Sada is good. Sada is like obviously a very good card. It's like two energy onto the board, draw three. Like that's not a bad effect. But the big issue we were, we were saying with Sada is that if you're setting up one moon at a time, research is just better. Like, because research with Pokestop, like when I hit the moon mirror and they were, they were, they were going like Sada, draw three, just praying they draw into their dark patch. And I'm like, research, Pokestop energy switch i could set up like two moons at once it just felt so much better and so much more consistent so we were just like we're always playing a supporter that isn't boss when would we have actually a chance to play boss unless it's to win the game and we had some slots in the deck so it's like let's put in some catchers <laughs> that was kind of the idea and like okay. at the end of the day i i would say they were like they were good like i i think i didn't like track my flips um but i what, what it did is that I never played a game expecting myself to get heads, but I knew that there were instances where if I flipped the heads, it would help me flip a matchup that was otherwise kind of difficult. Like, for example, against Guardi, I had a play where I was able to, like, I had to research to get the cards I needed to set up a Mew play, and then a catcher flip allowed me to, like, bring up a Greninja and use Moonlight Shuriken. If I have, I could be playing four boss, that play doesn't happen because I needed to research to draw the cards to get the energy switches for the Mew to get set up. That's kind of the thought process behind that. I hit a, a Tina day one where like they were only able to bench one Tina. I was like, I don't need to catch it, but if I flip it heads, the matchup goes for me being like a, a bit of an advantage. Like I could more Pico like a Comfy, that's, that's fine. That's kind of what you want to do. But if I flip heads on this catcher, I'm just gonna knock out the the one Giratina instead, and that totally flips the matchup in my favor. So it was just little things like that. It kind of added little extra percentage points. I never came into a game expecting it to be heads, but it kind of gave me a little edge I needed. Sometimes I'd be falling a little bit behind. Sometimes it would just kind of 
I'd be maybe like a in a situation where I'm kind of pulling ahead and it would like really put me over the finish line and kind of finish up the game quickly. Um, so that was kind of the main value of it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot Sorry, of sense. Sorry, that was like very long-winded. No, no, that's good. That's exactly what no, I that was good. to explain yeah, to Yeah, that was good. Yeah, so I think I actually like just listening to you talking just as I was thinking, I'm like, the logic makes a lot of sense to me that like Roaring Moon is, I don't know if a combo deck's the right, the right word for it, but like having the option to like research and then have the chance to catch her is actually very big. Because you do kind of need, when I play Roaring Moon, so you need to set up multiple moons and then like you just stream them pretty much. And like what you're saying is like you only need really like one gust most games, which I found to be more or less true. It's like, if you play four catchers, like, uh, the odds of you, like, not getting one gust is, like, 6% in a game, if, assuming you play all four catchers. So, I think it's a really, really smart way to do it. Like, yes, it's, like, if you really need the catcher, like, that specific turn, it's a little tough if you flip tails. But I think throughout the course of the game, like, you should be able to get one off. So, I think it's a really good approach to deck building where it's, like, you just identified, like, logic and, like, how you're playing out games. You're, like, oh, like, I don't have time to boss because I need to do this as well. You're, like, oh, like... Uh, it's anti-synergistic with another card I play in my deck, which I like, Pokestop. So then you're adding more hits off that. So I just yeah, think exactly. Yeah, I think it's a really good approach to deck building, and like it kind of shows like how when you actually test decks out, uh, you can like find optimizations and and like you took someone's like established idea, like the Ross build, and like kind of refined it, which I think is is really cool. Yeah, I think like the synergy with the Pokestop was a big thing because it like obviously it's like kind of. Um... I for, like it's got confirmation bias. It's like it's like oh, I always Pokestop my bosses, but it really felt like more often than not, those bosses were just ending up ending up in the discard. So it's like if I have a boss that gives me a guaranteed gust, and half the time it's getting Pokestopped away, why not give me like a fifty percent of a chance type of gust that I can actually get into my hand and use every turn, as opposed to the one that keeps getting discarded? Yeah, and I like too that it gives you the chance to just like cheese games out. Right? Like you can't. There's no way like in a normal build that you can boss and attack turn one. So, like, having the option, like, Sada or Research turn one and then, like, Catcher. Like, if you go second versus Giratina, like, you're saying like, you catch her Giratina, like, the game is done on the spot. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there's other matchups, like, Maraidon. Like, if you, like, can catch her, like, if they put a one prize in the act, if you catch her a two prize, like, the game is done on the spot. So, I do like yeah. that it almost gives you, it's probably a low percent chance, maybe, like, a five to ten percent chance this happens, but it gives you the chance to, like, just outright win a game right away, which I think is, is really interesting. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think a Maraidon Mar- and stuff like that, like a, a matchup where you're trading two prizers, but they have a one prize option. Like Moon Mirror, for example, is one where that's really helpful. Um, my last round of day two was against an Entei Valiant, where they were able to like I got a knockout on a Valiant turn my turn one, turn two they immediately had Radzard up, and I was like, well, if I start trading into this Radzard, we're gonna have issues now. Yeah. Well, I got a catcher heads. I, I flipped like two or three catchers in one turn. <laughs> one of them flipped heads. I knocked out a Valiant, and I was like, okay. Last turn of the game, I can rope or boss to actually win the game. You know, if I don't have a catcher, that doesn't mean I don't win the game, but it's much more difficult, and that kind of locked it up. Yeah, no, it makes yeah, a lot of I sense. I like the catcher thing. Yeah. It also helps, like, it helps a lot in Nagardi. I was victimized yeah. by a lot of catchers this weekend. <laughs> I had, a, dude, I had an opponent in round 11. It was so funny. I had, like, a Gardevoir active with six energies on it, and I had an EX on the bench. He was at three prizes. So, like, if he kills the EX, obviously, or sorry, he was at four prizes. So, if he kills the EX, obviously, I'm not going to bench another EX. And he has to take two more turns. And he, like, catcher, heads, hits the EX. He's like, all right, sick. Give me the EX. And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, what is this guy doing? And then he plays a research. And he draws another catcher. He's like, wait, yo, I just griefed my whole turn. So I'm going to play this catcher and fix it. Plays the catcher, <laughs> flips another heads, takes the guardy back. It's like, bro, what the <laughs> hell is crazy. this? <laughs> he was just better, bro. He was just better. And Dude, so guardy was, guardy was tough, though. Yeah. It's. I think it's way more winnable, and I want to talk about this at some point as well. Sure. Like, I lost to a moon this weekend. Like, I think it's way more winnable than people think. 
Um, it is. Like, but it's like 40 60. I think it might even be worse, to be honest. But if they get Mirage Step off, I think the game's just like done pretty much. Because like the Curlies yeah. aren't weak to Dark, so like you can't more Pico them. Yeah, yeah the it, Curlia it being weak to Metal sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It basically depends on like if you can get down to three by the time yes, we win. get like our first attack, then you're good. Yeah. Yeah. The. The way I kind of see it, it's very similar to the Guardi versus Maridon matchup before Paradox Rift, because exactly I played a lot same. of Guardi yeah. then, and it felt the same way, right? Like, they have they have a one-prize option, but they're probably trading with two-prizers sooner or later, and if they take... If, if like, if if Maridon took one prize on you, Guardi was going to win. If Maridon took two prizes on you, Guardi was probably going to win. If Maridon took three or four prizes, then, like, Guardi's kind of locked out of the game. And that's how it felt with Moon. Like, I would get a Morpico knockout. They were Mirage Step. I would knock out the Mirage Step. But then they can just go 2-2-2 two, two, two and win the game, um, mm -hmm. which was really annoying. So, like, I had to get, like, a Greninja playoff, or I had to, like, boss the Guardi or, and hope they have, like, another two-prize rider or something like that. Or, But they just kept having Mirage Step against me. Like, game uh, round three of day one, I just got, like, demolished by a Guardi. And then I walked past Ross, and I'm like, oh, he's playing against a Guardi. Like, what's he doing? I just see him bossing a Guardi EX. I'm like, well, all right, man. Like... <laughs> And then I, I saw he had a stream game against Guardi. I watched it this morning. The, he donked him. Yeah, like, the Guardi's like, just bricked. <laughs> okay, all right, bro. Like, I could have used some of that, but... Yeah, I yeah, mean... That's the way it happens, right? Yeah, you, sometimes you just get lucky. Like, when you play some bad matchup, yeah. you just have to... And that happens with Gardevoir, so... But yeah, to people listening, the reason, like, Gardevoir auto-wins is what happens is, like, uh, they'll knock out a Ralts or something. You'll do your Mirage Step. They'll knock it out. And now, at that point, they're at four prize cards. Then, from there, you just could Guardi EX and, like, Shining Arcana. You want Shadow Roaring Moon. If they boss his order, your Gardevoir EX, you just don't put another one into play since your Shining Arcana Gardevoir still has enough energy to knock out a Roaring Moon. At that point, they can only take one prize, and then you evolve to Gardevoir EX again after that. So, And Roaring Moon normally yeah. doesn't play like Iono. Like like some builds play one or two. But this one does. But this one does play That's Iono. why it's scary. My build did play yeah. two, which, again, every Guardian I played just like kind of had it. Like Both both Guardies I played, I got 2 would by one. I, I will say... Um, the Guardian I played day two, both games were relatively close. Um, the Guardian I played day one, game one was pretty kind of close, but kind of like went the way you described it, Kieran. Game two was, out of every game I played the entire tournament, the only game I would say I actually bricked. Like, I think, <laughs> kind of a, a tangent, but like, the thing I liked about this list is that I swear I got to play the game literally every round, except for one game against Guardian. Like, I got to set up, attack, take prizes, like, Every game I was in it, which is what I really liked about the list. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like that too. I think your consistency is way higher. Um, you have Squawk, you have Research, I don't know. It's like, I feel like you have the mid-game sustain, like Pokestop, and your deck gets pretty thin because uh, you draw so many cards at the start. So I think that's definitely a big plus for your build of the deck. Even Ryan Moon in general, it's like you're probably going to play more games of Pokemon on average than most of the other meta decks. So again, you count, and oh, Roaring yeah. Moon just like punishes bad starts. Like it'll just snowball the game out of control. For sure. So. I think yeah. that's a really good part of the deck. So, I mean, just speaking of Guardi a bit, like, were you expecting Gardevoir to be less popular at this tournament? Is that maybe, like, part of your considerations for why you, you pulled the trigger on playing Roaring Moon? Yeah, that was part of my consideration. And, like, you know, like me me and Mo, the guy who I was kind of doing most of my moon testing with, like, we, we did kind of map out the matchup, and we, and we knew that it wasn't, like, unwinnable, like... We had the path figured out on how to how to beat it. We just knew it was difficult. But I was just thinking, like my thought process is like at this point in the meta, like I know we're not really that close to rotation, but like we know what rotation is. We know what the new sets are going to be, and I feel like most players are kind of set on what their decks are going to be. Like I had a lot of friends after the last regional being like, "Oh, Tina did so well. I'm going to try to pick up Sable's art. 
the average player cannot like even good players cannot just like with two weeks notice pick up Sablezard, become good at it. The average player cannot just pick up Guardi, become good at it in two weeks. So I had a feeling of like the people who are good at Guardi, they're gonna stick on Guardi, and if I hit them, like they're gonna, <laughs> probably gonna beat me because they're good at Guardi. But like I wasn't expecting Guardi to suddenly have like a massive uptick because it's not a deck that you can just like pick up and suddenly be proficient at. And if it is a player who's playing Guardi for the first time ever at this regional, then I got kind of a, kind of got a shot, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And I think we saw Guardi was like 10% or something like blended between both days. So like you're expecting Crazy. over 15 rounds, like one and a half Guardies. So you hit like two. So you're on the unlucky side of like the over under there. But no, I think that's a really solid a- approach and how I think we we uh, discussed the meta on our podcast too. Um, okay, I wanted to ask you about the Charizard matchup because I think this one, mm, I like sure. argue with people about this matchup. I think it's... It's fine if they don't play Radiant Charizard. I think it's bad if they do play Radiant Charizard. So can you just like give me your thoughts yeah. on the Charizard matchup? For sure. So I day one, I hit five Charizard in a row. Yeah, I have your Pokestats open. <laughs> yeah, which right was now. really annoying. Um, I went 3-1-1. The tie, I if I scooped earlier game one, I think I was going to win game three. But we just went to time, and it was... I think I would have been able to put together a board to win, but it didn't work out. So like, But I felt good in all the matchups. But... The Zard matchup, here's kind of the, the the line we figured out for it. They are most are they are most likely starting with a one prize during the active. Like if if they start like Rotom and they can't retreat it, like you just knock it out, like you're just going two two two, you're chilling, right? Mm-hmm. So the goal of the of Moon and like decks that are aggressive like that is to essentially just put Zard on the back foot and make sure they have a response consistently. And Maridon is part of the reason I got off of Maridon and because why I was a bit scared to play it is that like Moon can do this to Zard because Moon can one-shot a Zard, and Maridon just can't do that. Like, Maridon's line to beat Zard is a lot more precise and a lot more tight, and I knew Zard was going to be very, very popular. So what Moon usually does, and what most of my games, the way most of my games went, is they, like, they would finish their turn with a one-prizer in the active. I would knock it out with more Pico. And then what would win them the game is that if, if, if they were able to put together Evolving a Zard, gusting something the Zard can knock out, and having a Charmander on the bench for the next turn. If they miss any of those three things, I'm still in it. Because if they are if they knock out the Morpico, we've just gone one for one, and I can still just go two, two, two. Even if they, like, evolve a Zard and, like, boss up Squawk and knock it out, I had a game where they did that, and I just, like, knocked their Zard out with Moon. If they don't have an extra Charmander and a rare candy and a Zard ready for it for next turn, they can't do anything. And, well... This is where, like, Emergency Jelly helps out, because Emergency Jelly puts you at 150 HP left. So, like, they can't do much to you with the Charmander. So the only thing that would knock it out is, like you said, Radiant Zard, which, <laughs> thanks to Azul posting his, like, this is how I'd play Zard video a week before the tournament, I think almost every Zard I played played something resembling that list. Um, most of them didn't have a chance to really, like, incorporate Radiant Zard into their strategy. But that's another thing with like with Urketcher was pretty helpful where it's like if they bring up Zard, I can try to play around it. I can try to knock bring up your Pidgeot. Um and honestly one thing that Ketcher was really helpful for was really early against Zard where they'd have like two or three Charmander out, a Mew in the active where they'd just like feed me a Jirachi. And they a lot of the time they'd have just one Pidgey. And if I cut a catcher heads, I would just um, Morpico knock out the Pidgey because I know that's the engine they need to keep chaining Zards or get that boss they need to actually start getting up on the prize trade. So, like, the only Zard I lost to was one where both games I went second, got a Morpico knockout, 
and they went evolve pidgeot evolve zard venture charmander boss um uh, squawk and yeah. i'm like bro if it's that's how it's gonna go yet. for you like enjoy winning the tournament like only giratina can't like respond to that you know um or like the only giratina can respond to that realistically most decks will fold to that so like that was kind of my thought process like if they if they got it like that two games out of three go for it but four out of my five zard opponents didn't have it like that yeah so it worked out no, that makes a lot of sense to me i, I think almost i'd say majority of your games you are going to take that two prize lead because like like you're saying they literally need rare candy pidgeot rare candy zard like boss squawk otherwise i think it just comes down to like you're gonna take two prizes on like charmander pidgey whatever you're gonna knock out their first zardy x they're gonna throw the rad zard and that just comes down to like your catchers i guess or like boss you play more traditional lists so yeah i think the matchup if they didn't play radiant charizard i would actually say the matchup's like favorable um just, i agree just because you just put a booster capsule or a jelly and they literally do not have a one prize that can knock out your your man so cool yeah i think that's because i think that's probably a, a really important matchup it's probably it's pretty close and uh, it's gonna be a popular one um cool cool so yeah moving on i want to talk about I mean, the tina matchup so i think mm-hmm. going into this weekend a lot of people said T- uh tina's roaring moon is like one of their good matchups uh i think a lot of people think it's like close so like what do you think about like the tina matchup Tina's just Tina's just interesting because it's like it feels like every single game against Giratina is like a brand new game, right? Like mm-hmm. in terms of like versus Zard, I laid out a very clear path for how to beat it. Versus Tina, you really can't do that. Like you have things you want them to be doing to help your game be easier, but they're very unpredictable and their comeback potential is just so high with Roxanne Path that like you have to be ready for it. And this is where Sada is a good supporter because one of the big kind of the one of the things that moon can do that puts itself into a bad situation against tina is if say that like you knock out a one prize or with more pico they knock out with that cram and then you go out of your way to knock out a tina if they have one tina then like that's good right you're still going to be in a good spot but if they have two tina and you knock it out with the moon and they can rock sand path you and you don't have a second moon ready for a response they can actually come back pretty easily so that's where Sada helps out. Like, most of the time that I was playing Sada, I'd say I played Sada, like, once every four games. And it was usually to kind of put myself in a bit of, like, a checkmate situation. Like, I had a, like I would I would just spread energy across my board, set up two moons simultaneously with Sada. Because I knew that they were going to try to come back, and I would have that moon ready to respond to put them on the back foot again. So that's a bit kind of, kind of how I saw the matchup. It's one that I didn't test as much as I should have, considering, like... <laughs> and Hugar is a player that I uh, test with. Um, I tested Marinon against him. I didn't really test Moon against him. And we kind of, me and Mo kind of theorycrafted how it was going to go. And I only played two Tina. One of them, I played day one. And like I said, like game one, they only benched one Tina. I was able to catch her. It all really worked out. Day two, I played John Eng, who <laughs> was like really, really good at the deck. Um, it was a game. There was actually a situation where I he was just so good at the deck like i'm, I'm gonna be honest like the dude the dude is just like a beast like he just played it so so well he was like doing things i was like damn like, he's making this really really difficult for me um he was like i don't know if it was intentional or not but he was very rarely putting paths down in play so that i could never do 220 because i was like my deck refused to show me any pokestops so i could never get stadiums in play so he wasn't putting stadiums in play because like if i put down a pokestop and then I, I have to discard it for my own attack like then then puts him on the stadium advantage depending on how many um pass he plays so i don't know if that was intentional from him or that was just like coincidence neither of us had stadiums but like that was getting very frustrating and a lot of the time uh not a lot of the time but like one thing that happened is that he um countercatchered my moon that had jelly on it 
knocked it out, which meant that I had to set up a freshman on the bench, and the one that didn't have Jelly had to do 200 to itself to knock out a Giratina, which meant that he could then bring up Sableye, um, just put three on the one in the active, and put ten uh, nine on the one in the bench. So I got caught in the situation where I was like, the only way I can win this game, uh, and this was game one, where I, I was like, I can either research and hope that I can set up like Moon, Dark Patch, Energy, Energy Switch, Catch or Flip, or I, can, or I have a boss in hand, I can just force sudden death. I can just boss up his Giratina, um, force sudden death, which I did, um, which was very fun. Like, win or lose, it's just fun to force sudden death. I did yeah. it twice yeah. yesterday. It was just a blast. Um, and <clears> then <throat> we flipped a new coin. For those who don't know, so the way that sudden death works, if both players um, have the same number of win conditions met, so like both of you have full benches, uh, cards in your decks, but no prizes left, you flip a new coin and start a new game but it's still that same game. So it's still game one, but first prize taken wins. And I won the coin flip. I chose second. I start Moon Ultra Ball, and I'm like, ooh, this is pretty good. I could just get Squawkabilly. I can donk him. He just puts Path down, and I'm like, ooh, should I have gone first? That was a mistake. Because <laughs> um, I just was like draw passing, and then he was also breaking because he prized like, almost all his team of V-Stars, so he was just abyss-seeking. I was just drop passing, and then he eventually just started shredding for knockout. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, Unfortunately, like I don't have quite as much experience with the Tina matchup as I was as I would like. Um, like, If I play Moon for Knoxville, that's definitely something I want to play a lot more of, considering it like won the whole event, so it's very good. Um, and it's just a matchup where like, I think for any deck, you just have to play a lot of games. You can't play like two or three games against Tina and be like, this is how it's going to go because every game is just so different um, and so unpredictable that you really just have to get a lot of games and against competent players um, to really understand how the game is going to go. So, and I feel like as well, sorry, I feel like most of the time you're okay forcing sudden death. Like that's just something yeah. that you're pretty comfortable doing. Cause you know, your deck is like at the very worst, you're getting crammed turn one by Atina, And as long as you don't start more Pico, you're chilling. Right. And that's yeah, exactly. But there, like, definitely is a lot of merit. And, like, no, I know this is your first day, too, so maybe this was your first time experiencing it, but there's a lot of merit to, like, how a, a matchup can change based on who you're playing, right? For sure. Um, like, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about my run specifically. I'm just a, a dirty Gardevoir player who just does Gardevoir things, so I don't really have much to say. But the one thing that did happen is I played Jake Gearhart in round 13, and I'll never forget this moment. He's a co really cool dude, by the way. I I'd never actually met him prior to this. I just knew him from the internet, but really <laughs> cool dude. And he listens to the shift gear, so shout out to that guy. Uh, but basically, like we got down to a situation where both of us had Guardi X as active, both won prize, and we, we effectively had no boss. So we are going to Miracle Force each other until one of us died. And he got the first Miracle Force in. And I my hand went down to zero, and I Miracle Force to go down to one prize. And he knew that I knew that my last two prize cards were Avery Research. How he knew that I knew that is beyond my comprehension. But I draw this one card, and it's a research. And I'm going to research for Zation next turn and, get, and just have game. And he Ionos me. He Ionos my one card hand to one. And I draw a battle VIP pass. And I'm like, bro, like, who the hell does this? Like, why would you do that to me? And he's like, dude, I knew you wouldn't go down to zero cards in hand if you didn't have something good in your prizes. So, like... That is, like, the effect that you have in, like, round 14 and, like, day two. And you're like, that would never happen in day one. So, John Eng not playing down paths for you, that sounds just about right, to be honest. <laughs> like, and, and, and that's a cool thing, man. That These experiences help a lot. And, like, for, for sure. new players who maybe haven't day two'd or, like, even for yourself just kind of going through this, um, you learn that, like, damn, the, the 
the competition is really fierce towards the end there. Yeah, for sure. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, and I know I know some players like like Azul, like they can pick up any deck and just like be good with it. Like his whole crew day two with with Maridon, um, which I think a lot of people were surprised to see. But I think the just like a bit of a side note, like the cool thing about I think about like Azul and his like transparency as a player and just being so good at the game is like he's not afraid to just tell you what he's gonna play. Like he did like mm-hmm. a Charlotte tier list and his S tier decks were Maridon and Guardi. He said S tier Maridon and Guardi, and I'm not gonna play Guardi. And I saw that I was like, oh, he's, so he's gonna play Maridon. And everyone was like, he's playing Maridon. What? It's like, yeah. He basically said it. Just no one, no one believed that he would because it's because it's Maridon, right? But they all made day mm-hmm. two with it. Yeah. No, yeah, I, and you're not really good to counter it either, right? Yeah, yeah, I think most of them said they they regretted playing Maridon afterwards. But like, I think it's just like credit yeah. credit to Azul's group. Like, they're so good that like they they just make day two no matter what they. I think Grant went six three, but I think the rest of the group like Jishan, Caleb, and Azul all made day two. So mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, sorry, but like my point was like. Unless you're a player like that, where you can kind of pick up any deck and just be good with it. Like, I played so many games of Moon, and I, like, it's not just, like, playing the game and, like, just, like, just to play it. Like, I really plotted out, like, how every matchup was supposed to go. Like, me and my friends were having, like, discussions, like, this is how Zard is supposed to go. This is how you want Zard to go. This is how you want Guardi to go. This is how you want Giratina to go. And, like, and, like, not to say that, like, I didn't make, like... I couldn't have like played better because like I had four losses. Like I could have played better. Like I looked at my record and other than the czar that just like popped off against me twice, I had winnable games and I was against all of my opponents. And it's like, damn, the difference between me going ten and four and me going eleven and three was being top sixty four or top sixteen. Like that's two oh, yeah. K. Like I was like <laughs> yeah. looking at my record, I'm like, damn. Like Um But the the big thing is like I played my deck so much that I made very few mistakes at least as far as i can tell or at least i just played really clean like every game i knew how to sequence my deck to get a turn one attack every game i knew my path to victory against every deck and there was obviously things i could have done better there was like obviously difficult decisions like do i research why i don't know what do i what do i ultra ball i'm sure like i didn't play perfectly but i knew what my deck was doing and i knew how to play it to a point where i felt confident and like happy with almost every single decision i made and i think that if you want a day two like that's the thing you have to do unless you're like azul and you can just again oh yeah. pick up a deck and just be good with it because you know competition is just so strong right now and people are playing the same deck and like people were recommending that at the start of the season like pick up a deck and just get really really good with it like vance kelly one world's dude's got like 10 day twos with me colin yeah. murley matthew is one of the players from chicago like he's got like 15 day twos with me like dan huger <laughs> All these Giratina day twos, like the most players, other than like the tippy top players, are playing the same deck over and over and over again because they are good with it, um, yeah. and they know their matchups and they know their lines. Unless they hit a player who knows, you know, the same amount of knowledge as they do from the other side of the matchup, like you will probably be winning that game because you know what you're doing better than your opponent knows what they're doing. So like, if anyone's trying to day two, like, again, I'm no like super, I'm not like a super good player. I just like did pretty good. Um, but that's like the main factor for me. Like I knew my deck like back and forth. If you told me to like recite my deck list, I could do it right now. If you told me to recite how to play different, different matchups, I could do it right now, which is what I'm doing. Like <laughs> that's kind of my main suggestion. You know, There's I don't know if so you guys, much so you guys do coaching too. I'm sure you guys say probably similar stuff to your students. I just wrote an article for Metify, literally just saying that. Like <laughs> literally just the thing is you got to know yourself. So that's like the important thing I think that you touched on as well. You got to know yourself, know what kind of player you are. Like, I'm the same way as you, bro. Like, I need to... I don't just pick up a deck and just go. Like, I can pick up a deck and do it, right, but I'm not going to pick up a deck and go crazy with it. 
And so, like, going through, the, like, understanding that and just knowing, like, you got to go through the slaughterhouse. Like, you have to go to league challenges and go one and four for the first week or whatever it is that you got to go through to get to your deck. So there's a lot of merit to what you're saying. And I actually really, really, like, can appreciate somebody who's, like, kind of gone through that and done that and seen results for it, too. Yeah. So that, I, that's really cool. I agree, too. I was actually having, like, a discussion on Twitter, like, on the weekend where it's, like, even if, like, a deck is objectively better than another deck, like, let's say a Tier 1 deck versus a Tier 2 deck, like, if you play the Tier 1 deck at, like, 80% effectiveness, but you play the Tier 2 deck at, like, 100% effectiveness, like, the Tier 2 deck is just better. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. So, yeah, like, if you're, like, proficient in a deck and you know it inside out, like, you're just going to be way better at it. Like, like if you, like, know how to play Roaring Moon, like, if you just switch to Guardi, like, the night before and you haven't practiced, like, you're going to do way yeah. worse. Like, it's just, that's just how it works. Like, it's, so, yeah, like, 100% knowing your deck is, like, the most important thing. And, like, even to your point where, like, players like Azul, yes, can, like, switch their deck, like, pretty easily. But, like, there's tons of players who, like, one-trick decks. Like, like Reagan last year was, like, a Lugia one-trick. He was number one NA. Like, I was a Lugia one-trick for most of the year. Like, I got top 16. Like, there's tons of, like, good players who just play the same deck the whole time. Because, like, one, they're a strong player. And then, two, like, they know how to play their deck, like, better than everyone else. So, yeah, definitely, like, yeah. my advice is always when you're trying to break through, like, make your first day two, like, your first top cut, whatever. Like, master a deck first. And, like, once you have a deck mastered, like, use it to, like, learn all, like, the minutiae of a game, like, sequencing, prize mapping, like, all that stuff. And then once you feel like you're truly a master of one deck, then maybe try and start, like, learning other ones. But just to get started, like, don't try and learn, like, all the other decks. Like, learn what they do so you know, like, how to play the matchup. But, like, for playing, like, just stick to a good, like, tier one or tier two deck that, that you really enjoy playing. So. Yeah. And, like, no, we, 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 I mean, we've, we've talked about Moon a lot, and, and I like Moon, and I think the way you played it is kind of the correct way going forward. And I think Ross top eighting with it is kind of evident of that, and yourself doing so well with it as well. Um, we will circle back to this, but I want to ask a question to you guys first. I want to kind of just, you know, I want to shift gear up this, this episode <laughs> here. Like, we're, uh, we're so serious for once. It's so weird. Like, I, uh, I don't know. I, we're not even us right now. Um, we're providing insightful information. Uh, so, so what do you guys think about the whole Pokestats thing? I want to hear both of your opinions. What do you guys think? Do Is this a problem? Is it is it like a bad... I don't even know how to phrase this. Is it like bad sportsmanship to report yourself wrong? Like, what do you think? We'll start with we'll start with Kieran. I want to hear your opinion first, and then we'll go over. Uh, okay, so I'll start with like if Pokestats is a thing. Like, should it exist? Like, my answer is like, I think yes. Because, I mean, like, I just think in, like, the old days, what would happen is, like, you'd have these, like, jank websites where people or like, you'd go on Facebook and they'd, like, put people's decks. So, like, you'd have to go through yeah. all these hoops to find it or, like, you'd ask your friends, like, they'd have someone scouting, like, they'd figure it out. So, like, it just felt like people in general, like, if they really want to know what people are playing, like, they'd find it out. Um, and I just think, like, like, it just levels the playing field a bit more. Like, obviously, if someone doesn't know what Pokestats is, like, they don't have that advantage, but I feel like almost everyone at this point knows what it is. And just the other thing, too, is, like, from a spectator point of view, like, if they want Pokemon to grow, they want Pokemon to be an eSport, like, you need to have stuff like this. Like, if you're sitting at home, like, you want to see what people are playing. You want to see what's doing well. Like, you have a League Cup on Sunday. Like, oh, like, all these people played Roaring Moon to a tournament. Like, my favorite player played Charizard. Like, I want to know that. Like, I think for the, the growth of the game from the spectator point, it's, like, important to have stuff like this. Uh, like, tracking, like, day two conversion rates, I think, is important. I will say, like, the self-report thing, I mean, it's a little scummy, like, to, like, misrepresent your deck, but, like, I don't think it's cheating or anything. It's, like, a lot of people, like, don't want to be, have their deck leaked on Pokestats, because, like, if your deck's there and, like, your opponent's isn't, like, that's a disadvantage. Like, personally, when I play oh, tournaments, shy. like, I just don't report my deck. Like, someone's going to report it, obviously, but, like, I never report my deck. So, I don't think it's cheating. Like, 
I don't know. It's like it's a little bit acting in bad faith, but like it's not like that big of a a deal. Like I think, like it just goes to the fact, like because then you can argue, like oh, like if you're going on pokey stats and like looking at what your opponent's playing, like is that cheating? Because you're trying to like figure out what their deck is before you sit down. So it's like, I don't know. It just exists. Like everyone should know it exists. So I think it makes it fair. So yeah, I'm on a long rant there, but. <laughs> No, you're good. We'll jump over to Rafal in one sec. I just want to give my two cents on For this sure. whole thing. Um, I think so. I was one of the only Canadians. Maybe there's a trend of Canadians, and this is a ta- this is a a statement at nobody in particular. But all the Canadians misreported their decks. Every single Did one. They? Every single one. And <laughs> uh, actually, sorry, maybe I think there was one that did not, and okay. I didn't either. Um, because first of all, I didn't know how to do it. Second of all, I didn't really want to because I didn't really feel like it was the right thing to do. But I, I kind of got griefed by not misreporting my deck. Like I played Stall in the first round, and he immediately knew I was playing Gardevoir, and it changes whether like what you're doing. And and he knew I didn't play Taro, and I, I somehow tied that. But that's not the point. And and like especially now when there's like maybe in a format like six months ago, a year ago, when everyone's like oh, I'm going first no matter what. It doesn't matter. But now that people are like, yo, I need to go second as Zard, I need to go second as Tina, and then if I'm sitting across from a Tina, I want to go second as a Guardi player, it kind of changes everything. So what's the solution? I don't really know what the solution is. Like, I feel like there needs to be some sort of linkage to RK9. I feel like that's the that's the smartest thing to do. Um, but I also understand it's just Jared Grimes making this, and it's <laughs> not like he's got the power of RK9 on his side. So sorry. I went on a tirade as well, but Rafal, what are your thoughts? No, you're good. I mean, it, it, it's interesting because, like, I played a deck that I think now it shows up as Moon when I look at my Poké stats, but the day of, it wasn't actually an... Like, I, I didn't... I, like, looked like the self-report options. It wasn't an option for yeah. putting in Moon. And there was yeah. a lot of decks that kind of went under that, like, category of this isn't a deck. And I will say, like, I mean, I think most players, when they got their pairings day two, they checked Poké stats to see what their opponent was playing. And the thing is, like, my deck was showing up as unknown, so when I, like it did like and and I think your point is good about like certain decks now want to go first or second and that affects your decision making when it's like a blind you know when you don't know what your opponent's playing like 100% yet. So like I had some opponents where I would see that they played a deck and it doesn't have a report. My first instinct is like must be the moon mirror, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I hit a guy day 2 like the first guy I played I sat next to him round 1 so like I knew it was the moon mirror we, we both knew. But then I played another person, and it was an unknown deck, and I was like, must be another moon. It was super effective glasses, Paradox, Lost Box. Like, <laughs> but, like, that's not an option to report, right? Even if self-reporting wasn't an option, if, like, you know, that, I, I think one of the big issues is, like, the, I think, like, a solution that people have been bringing up is, like, like you said, Neil, like, kind of linking it to, Poke, uh, to Arcanine, or just having, if we're not going to have less transparency, have more transparency, right like have more archetypes available i don't know how jared would do that because again it's just like jared running this website but <laughs> like him, man <laughs> yeah but like goldengo wasn't uh an option I, I i hit a valiant that showed up as unknown moon was unknown um and like for me like i'm going second either way it really doesn't matter matter right but like if i'm playing giratina or if i'm playing uh mew or something like that like that affects my decision of how I'm going to start playing the game. So I think if we're going to let people, um, you know, if we're going to use the right resource like Pokestats, which I personally like a lot. I, I like seeing those numbers. I like seeing conversion rates. I like seeing like how everyone did day one when I'm not in an event. I like that resource. Um, I think probably closing self-reporting and probably adding more options to report 
is probably the best solution. I think Jared already said that he's going to close self-reporting and he's just going to let your opponents report you. Um, but either way, like, if Roaring Moon's not an option, like, people go into day two, they don't know what I'm playing, right? So I don't yeah. know what the best way is to solve that, but I think overall I like focus stats. I like it as a resource. Um, you should probably not self-report uh, <laughs> the wrong deck, but I don't know exactly what the best solution is. Yeah. Just know I'm sliding all my opponents of Fiverr. Hey, bro, just report me. I'm Charizard, I swear. Yo, just five bucks. Just report me as Charizard, yeah. please. I mean, like, just to build on this, like, I think there was an interesting discussion if, like, deck lists should be, like, open or closed at tournaments. Like, I have a pretty strong opinion on this, but, like, and, you know, like what do you think? Like, should they start, like, just, like, showing you your opponent's deck list before you sit down? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I disagree as well. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> no, this should not happen. Like, I, I think the perfect example is, like, Gardevoir versus Stall. Like, you see immediately, does the dude play Turo? Yeah. Yes, no. All right, well, now you know if the decklist is open. I don't like it, but yeah, yeah I think carry on. For me, like, the big thing is, like, I feel like deck building has already been so devalued or, like, watered down in the modern yeah. era. Like, we have, like, innovations, like, you hear playing, like, the four catch or, like, the catchers in Roaring Moon, but, like, now it's, like, everyone just goes on Limitless. Like, even if you don't want to, your list gets posted online. Like, all the top players yeah. and, post their uh, list. And I'm, I'm just going to say, like, I wasn't even the first person to play the catchers. Like, someone played a... Their, their build was a bit different, but they even played catchers at Portland, but, like that came into our heads because we saw that guy playing it, yeah. you know, like th there's just so much information. Like when we started playing in 2012, you know, 2011, like, dude, you have to go on pokey gym, like begging yeah. for information. Like no one was posting lists anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You're like, literally like me defending 18 energy Mirada on when it <laughs> happened. I was like, I found it from some, some Chinese dude online. I swear. <laughs> and I did like, otherwise like I would have no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And you make a good point. Remember paying for, for like six prizes articles. Yeah, exactly. That was the way. That was the way to list back then before limitless. Like, it's crazy to say, like, people who are new, like, will not believe me, but, like, it was, like, very possible, like, someone would win a regionals, and, like, you just, like, wouldn't know what their list was. Like, they would, yeah. play, like, they'd play, like, an interesting build, whatever, you just, like, wouldn't know. So, I think, like, if you're going to innovate with deck building, like, I think you should be rewarded. Like, I don't think your opponents just get to know, like, you're playing, like, a different build of an archetype, or you're playing, like, a rogue deck. I will say, I am open to, once you make top cut, everyone gets the list of everybody, because, like, at that point, like, most players have been on stream already, uh, people have played them, like, there might be an unfair information like gain from other from other people, so that I'm okay with. But I think just for the whole tournament, like no, I think list should stay closed. Hmm. Yeah, I think I for prefer. the Players Cup finals, they did open deck list, and I don't know like what the results were from that and how that went. Um, I didn't play like during the Players Cups because like I heard the format was bad, so I just stopped <laughs> playing the game. I just played a lot of it RuneScape was. instead. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Like I, I mean, there's so much like open discourse to have, and like now that the tournaments are so big too, I saw a lot of people talking about like. All right, how do sorry, excuse me, how do we restructure day two? Like that was a big thing right now. And people are saying, like, do we add an extra round? What do we do? The answer is, guys, if there's twenty two hundred people at a tournament, there's not a whole lot we can do. Like, I mean you can expand the the prize pool. There should be more points being given out, I think. Yeah, I think they need well, to start adjusting like the prize or not sorry, the, prize, the championship points scaling on attendance. Because like, it makes no sense that like a you can like fly to like a five hundred person regional and you go to Charlotte like 4x yeah. the size like it's just way harder um but yeah. one thing I, I really liked and they only did this for one tournament was like or they might have been for more but like the asymmetrical cut they did at worlds that one year like yeah. it just makes so much sense like like someone whiffs cut with 36 match points like that is insane like you should never be whiffing cut with 36 match points so i think that's an option or the other option i think is just starting expanding regional cuts to like top 16 once we reach like i don't know like 2,000 players or something which i think is very reasonable like i think once you get to that point like uh top 16 makes sense since you still would need like 35 match points to not bubble so 
Well, that was the thing. Like, I was out with uh, Rafal and Dan and the Chicago boys the night before, and we were just drinking like no tomorrow because we're like, yo, we're we're six two one. This doesn't even matter. <laughs> like, I can show <laughs> up drunk out of my mind tomorrow, and nothing will happen to us because you have no chance. You like, you legit have to go six zero, and even then, you have to get like you have to get kind of fortunate to get in, right? So, I don't know, man. I think we need a little bit of a rework here, um, but. 2200 person regionals were not really a thing in the past and i can't imagine the pokemon really foresaw this coming so i don't have a whole lot of blame to put on them it's just more so like maybe we should all stop flying to 2200 person regionals well i mean i think pokemon could foresee this i mean look at last year right even this year like like half these tournaments like sell out within like five minutes so it's like i think they knew we were trending towards this direction and like charlotte's just like the first biggest tournament i'm sure like another regional this year will be like the next biggest regional like like, you just keep beating the record it's gonna I will say it will be weird at Knoxville because, like, the fact that my record now gives me, like, 51st and, like, at Knoxville I could go 10-4-1, like, if I have good resistance, I could, I could squeak into top 32. Yeah. Like, the the range you can be because of the size of these events is just massive, right? Like, you said 36 points bubbled out of top cut. Like, that is not happening at Knoxville. That person's, like, second seed at Knoxville. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. LAIC... My counterpoint... Oh, go ahead, yeah, Neil. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go. Okay, thanks. Um, my counterpoint to this whole, like, Pokemon should have foreseen this th- whole thing is that, like, because they raised the championship points bar so high, I thought by this point, and I think they thought by this point, that people would start getting weeded out. Because those people sitting at, like, 100, 200 points, like, right now, and they're kind of seeing it's looking a little grim. <laughs> Myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, looking a little grim, right? There, You have questions about motivation at that point, right? Like, no matter what, you're like, am I going to fly out to this to play in this tournament? at this point in the season and like normally by now people have kind of started to drop off whereas now it just feels like people just don't even care it's just like all right whatever i'm just gonna go play no matter what and that's that's probably a good thing yeah yeah like the the meta the fact that the meta is good enough to like people just want to play the game um i mean like it it is i think it's like objectively good for the game that events are getting this big um but there's obviously like a tipping point like we kind of we kind of reached it last year and they responded by raising all the prize pools and stuff but the size of the events like adjusted and inflated to match that and now it's like kind of back to square one it's like we're just over halfway through the season like i don't think they're going to suddenly like raise the the cp like amounts for regionals like halfway through the season um but i am curious like you know can they just like continue doing this infinitely hoping that we're going to like reach a point where regionals stop getting bigger because like that's kind of what it's felt like for two years now and they just keep going up like when are we going to reach a three thousand person regional right like yeah you actually make a good point. Like, I wonder if this was happening last year when Lugia was S tier and everyone who didn't play Lugia hated the game. Would the game keep growing? Is it the format bringing people back? I, I think it's an element of it. Like, I think in general, people just love Pokemon. Like, they love the game. Like, they love the community aspect. They love seeing their friends. Like, I love that part of the game, too. So I think in general, like, that helps the game grow. But I do think having, like, a healthy format where, like, there's so many decks, like, it does feel like there's a deck for everyone. I think that encourages yeah. people to play. Like, especially at a local level, I think it makes people keep wanting to play. Like, like you can play, like, Golden Gopalkia, and, like, it's not unreasonable that, like, you'll make day two. Like, you can play, yeah. like, I don't know, I'm trying to another, like, deck. Like, you can play, like, Iron Valley, and, like, you can Cloth. make day two. Cloth. You can play, you can make day two with Cloth. Like, we've seen people do it, right? So it's, like, yeah. I do think that helps a lot when you can, like, play, like, any, like, there, there's legitimately, like, 10 or 15 decks, like, you can make day two with. So I think that helps a lot. But I think in, the main yeah. thing is just, like, People just enjoy the game, community aspect, like competition. I think that's why we see. So and I'm actually curious too. Like, I'm curious, like where people are at in terms of like, like you know, like Pokemon keeps those metrics of like how many people are qualified for Worlds by a certain point of the year. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really curious 
to see how many people actually are already qualified throughout all regions compared to like previous years because i feel like even though like the bar is substantially higher people are traveling like never never before yeah. like yeah for sure it's insane like it was i was talking to some like newer players and i was like dude like before 2020 i had never traveled to a regionals actually sorry i traveled once to a regionals in 2019 yeah. but before that point it was like i don't want to say it was unheard of but it wasn't like no flying to regionals was was like if someone told me they flew to a regionals i'm like i'm like what are you doing like that is crazy yeah like, I'm, like why? serious why? like we used to like drive like for the toronto people we used to drive to fort wayne or uh, or um, Philadelphia, whichever city they picked that year to put the regionals, and then we would do Toronto regionals. Like that was normally like how we did it. Like now it's just like everyone just flies to all these regionals. So it's I think the average age of players has risen since then. So people have jobs, they yeah. have more money. I think that's a big part of it. But yeah, like people just like I mean we do it too, right? Like we like fly to these tournaments now, and it's just normal. So I think that's another huge factor with the growth that it's just been normalized that you like. Just go to a regional, like no matter where you live. I mean, like the the person who won is from Brazil. Like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Like that yeah. was and I, I unheard of. Yeah, I th I think it's just kind of like a blessing and a curse for the game. Like uh, another, there's just a lot of factors that are coming into my head of like why the game is just so big. Like decks are just cheap. Like we keep always having like every few months we have that discourse of like, look how expensive One Piece is or Yu-Gi-Oh is. Like Yu-Gi-Oh has like a card right now that's like pre-selling for like two hundred dollars. And like it's also funny comparing the games because like. In you give it's like search your deck for like a four power or uh, four star or lower like pyro monster and I'm just like that's like a level ball <laughs> like it's two hundred two hundred dollars um but like so in my my eighteen prize packs that I got for top sixty four which like I'm very appreciative for like you know I'm not, I'm not trying to be like like super like up on my higher no horse you can be, be like, ungrateful well, man well, that's, that's ridiculous for top like, sixty four <laughs> I mean okay fair enough I top 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 the uh, sixty four I have two thousand players like I would not have minded a bit more of a reward i will say so like i'm gonna tie this all together i pulled an altar roaring moon oh, in my 18 nice. packs, which is insane That's um sick this is worth as much as my whole deck like <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like it's just so easy to get in the game now right like how many people can like look up that giratina deck that won and just like build it yeah right? for like 50 60 bucks i mean on limitless hey, like especially... if you if you click on decks like it'll tell you how much it costs right like i just clicked on like yeah. dan's giratina for example it's 67 dollars to build like a deck that like just won a regionals like that that is unheard yeah. of in most games like, and we were just talking about 25 dollar catchers yeah. <laughs> it's even cheaper if you listen to shift gear and you win our tina v stars <laughs> that's oh, there that's why we're here yeah no right? it, it is a big but... factor of that right like i think uh the one thing is like 99% of people who buy Pokemon cards, like, collect. Like, they'll never play the game. And mm -hmm. that really helps to subsidize the actual game. Because it's, like, there's so many packs being opened, so there's so much stock of the cards. And, like, people, like, do not care about Iron Hands. Like, that is not a popular Pokemon. So it's just, like, it's a good card, but I'm, I don't even know how much it costs right now. I think it costs, like, $5. So, like, that... Oh, yeah. And then, like, yeah, they mm -hmm. do such a great job now making all these, like, battle decks. Like, there's so much product for learning how to play that just didn't exist before. So I think, like, if they ever... Like hired like for example like Hearthstone's dev team and made the UI on PTCG Live really nice. I I would not be shocked to see us hit like ten thousand people in regionals. Like the Pokemon sure. brand is so strong that like if they ever turned live into like a a real competitor in the digital card card game space, like that to me would be like the the game that's broken at that point. Yeah, and this yeah. is a conversation for another day. But like the reward system does need some updating. Like yes. like you said, like it definitely needs some updating. Like I, I was thinking about it. I played the whole day. I played six extra rounds. I top 128 of this event. I could have dropped and nothing would have happened. 
I literally could have dropped. And like you play two days of Pokemon, you play fifteen rounds. And I'm not I'm not saying this for my personal experience. I was saying this even before like this whole thing happened, but why what is stopping them from giving you like a, a stamped card or like yeah. uh even like ten packs, dude? Like if you're paying a hundred dollars a person to get into this thing. There should be so much more going back to the players. And I'm not even talking about 128. I'm not talking about 256. I'm saying, like, everybody who day twos could get a stamped card that says, here's a day two. And we talked about this for fall, right? Yeah. I think we were having a conversation at one point. Um, yeah, Bojangles. Welcome to day two. Yeah, Bojangles. <laughs> here's an Iono that's stamped that says day two. Have a nice day. Yeah. And we'd be so happy. And it costs them nothing, pretty much. Like, Yeah. You see those prize packs? They're sending each store like a thousand. Yeah, or they could There's just start giving each. more prize packs. Like, I don't know. Because like if you get one twenty eighth, so like right now you get zero packs, you get like forty points or whatever. Like at Charlotte, you were in the top six percent of players. Like that is like very impressive. Like that's a great achievement. To like walk away with nothing just like feels bad. Like I feel like you should be like getting something. Like Hey man, we got pride and high Uber costs in the city of Charlotte because yeah. apparently nobody works Uber there. It was insane. <laughs> <laughs> and my average wait time for an Uber was like ten minutes. <laughs> really? Yeah. We rented crazy. a car. It was very. Oh, it was nice. a good feeling. It was very. That's nice. a big play. We're gonna do we that. We got next the hookup. Sure. We got the hookup. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're running almost an hour here, right? Eh, yeah, we we are hitting uh close to an hour, but I think it's been a really good good discussion. So. Yeah. No, I I really enjoyed it. Um, before we hop off, uh, I just wanted to give a thank you to everybody who's still listening to this. Uh, people who listen to us in general. It was really a eye opening moment for me this weekend. I was telling Karen, like, there was at least, I want to say, like, 20 people who came up to me at different times saying, hey, man, we love the podcast, whatever, whatever. Um, but things like that really, like, help you quantify, like, how many people actually listen to this and how many people come every week to listen to us ramble about nonsense for an hour. So shout out to all of you. We don't say that every episode, but we like to kind of sprinkle it in sometimes. But we appreciate you all. And uh, it's all of you people that kind of give us the platform to come and rant. And I was explaining to one of my opponents, I was like, me and Karen would probably do this anyway, so we just record it. And then <laughs> it's like our, our weekly Zoom session. So, like, it's chill. It's fun. And, and like, thank you to guests like Rafal Wright for coming on, making us even more visible, stuff like that. So, with that, we are giving away another holiday calendar this week uh, to enter. We're going to make you do the regular things. And what are we going to make them do? I'm going to uh, comment something fun. Comment their favorite shawarma shop. Oh, I like that, actually. <laughs> comment your favorite shawarma shop. We're still on this. I love that we're still on this. <laughs> or just comment your favorite like, fast food place or whatever. Sure, your favorite fast food place, and we will give you a holiday calendar and ship it to you for free. And, Karen, we are in trouble with that shipping because this thing is legit, like, this big. Uh, we'll so. figure it out. Hopefully someone yeah, but... local wins it. Yo, please, I'll deliver it to your house. Please, someone from Toronto win this. I don't want to pay 40 bucks to ship this thing, but we will. Uh, Rafal, before we hop off, I uh, want to give you the stage. Feel free to shout, shout out your, your crew, anyone who helped you out, your socials, anything you want to kind of say there. For sure. Well, I, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for like having me on. Anil, you were super chill. It was nice meeting you over the weekend. Um, like I said, like this is my first day too. I'm just like a dude who's pretty good at Roaring Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I was really, uh, I'm really happy to just like have an audience to just like uh, talk about how it's a pretty cool deck. Um, I'll see if I run it back for, for Knoxville. Um, definitely got to try out, like, see what Ross's build actually was and, and all this stuff. Um, but in general, I want to shout out, obviously, uh, Team NRG, uh, Nerd Rage Gaming in Buffalo Grove, Illinois, which is by Chicago. We have a cup coming up on February 18th that's going to be streamed. Our last cup was, like, 70-something people. Um, it was seven rounds. It was, like, an absolutely busted top eight. So we're going to be streaming it. 
we stream our locals every Thursday at 6:30 uh, Central Time um, in the evening. This weekend we have a this Thursday we have a challenge. Um, it's Twitch.tv/nrgstore, or you can follow us on Twitter at nrgtcg. Um, so if you just want to like see what we're all up to, feel free to follow us. Um, shout out to yeah the whole NRG crew. Shout out to JW being a great great coach, helping me become so good at the game. Shout out to my fiance for supporting me through this uh, hobby, me traveling to, to Charlotte to play cards. Um, shout out to Justin on the NRG team, one of the seniors on the team who won seniors in Charlotte, which is absolutely crazy because seniors got a day two, so he played uh, 14 rounds and then won the whole event. So like he's absolutely insane at the game. Uh, shout out to him. Um, everyone I stayed with, everyone who supports me, all that stuff. You know, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of people, but yeah, I'm just happy to happy to be here and happy to talk with you guys. Wow, awesome, man. Sure. No, it was great having you. Uh, I, I We were talking a lot about Roaring Moon last week. We loved the deck, so I'm super happy to see you yeah. well and have you... Uh, we were really high on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> seriously. It's not just one of those things where we're like, oh, this guy did well with catchers. Like, no, like, we genuinely think the deck is good. Like, yeah. and it was... Uh, if I'm being totally honest, had I not played Guardi, I was probably playing Moon uh, this weekend. Just because, like, like you said, you can do cool things. You can just cheese out wins sometimes. Yeah. I, I like that. I like there's that. A, there's a couple builds I got to try out. Like, I I know a lot of the builds that were playing, like, Thornton, Lightning, Water yeah. did well. I just, like, can't bring myself That's to play much. that. But I, <laughs> yeah, I saw a guy, though. He got third. I think he got 32nd place. He posted it on Twitter. <laughs> I saw it, forgot to like it, and then couldn't find it. So I got to wait for uh, <laughs> Limitless, Limitless to post it. Yeah. But I it got Thornton. Dude, it's it's oh. a serious thing. I got Thornton. That's they, tough. They, like, I, there was a squawk on bench for game, and I had a scream tail, and he randomly thornted it into a roaring moon. <laughs> it just disappeared. That's and I was like, bro, what the hell is this? Um, I was so mad. But, so so this guy, I think he got 32nd place with moon. He was playing basically kind of my build, where it was like the researches over the, the sadas, mm -hmm. but he played an Iron Hands yeah. um, and catchers. So I was like, dude, if you're getting off like an Iron Hands catchers play... Good for you, dude. That's yeah. sick. I, I gotta try that out. That that's a lot of that's we're that's even more cheese here. that I'm ready for. Yeah, there was there was two Roaring Moons who were playing winning in his last rounds. There could have been three in cut if they both won. Uh, I saw that. There were so many on stream. I didn't get to see the stream, but I like skimmed it today. I was like every other round was Roaring yeah. Moon. The people want it. The people want the moon, dude. The people want the moon. It's a real thing. Yeah. And like, hey, you know what? I think it just gets better too. It's just gonna get better after rotation. Get your promo boxes, get your full arch, buy an altar off Rafal for fun. Please, to. please do it. I gotta pay yeah, for please. my flight. <laughs> Dude, I sold I, I pulled on two and I sold it to the vendors for like sixty bucks and now I have sixty dollars US in my wallet that I can't use in this country. But Yo. that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, thanks again for coming on, dude. Uh it was a blast. Uh as for Kieran and I, you know where to find us. Uh comment down below your favorite shawarma place, your favorite fast food place. <laughs> Bonus points if it's in Toronto, we might give you an ent extra entry. Probably not because we're fair, but actually, we got to ship this thing, so we want them to be local. Nah, be everyone gets the same. Everyone gets the same. I just at least meme with me, man. At least, <laughs> at least let me have this one. <laughs> People are gonna take it and run with it if you don't. That's true. Actually, there's enough drama in this community. As is us rigging our giveaways is probably not a good look. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks everyone for coming on. Uh, you know where to find Karen and I. Both of our, our all of our links are in the bio. Um, yeah, go to Banana Games. <laughs> and if you live That's in Chicago, got energy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, we need to collab. You have a banana we energy. Should. Yeah, banana energy. We can have like a team battle or something. But you guys come to us. I'm not going down there, bro. <laughs>
I'm not going there. <laughs> Toronto's expensive, dude. I don't know if I'm going to Toronto. That is true. But we'll we have, have a regional, to, though. So. We true. do. We Yeah, we, we never get one. We just get like a triangulation of all the Midwest places. Yeah, but they got rid of the Wisconsin one, so now we're just Can't stuck know. with Indy. That's you guys tough. have the Chicago Bears, which is just <laughs> well. I don't know, man. Bro, dude, the Packers lost. Sorry, by the way. <laughs> Never. Yo, I don't know I, if we talked about that. I know. I've been upset for like two days. Kieran, I watched the Packers game with all these Chicago guys, and they're all like just rooting on my downfall. Nice. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but anyways, yo, thanks everyone for coming on. Thanks for fall. Thanks, Kieran, for being here. Uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see y'all see, next week. See you next week. Peace.